Hey, Hope City Church, it's Pastor Jason, and uh, I'm excited that we get to spend the next few minutes together as we are concluding today our, our series called Long Story Short that we've been in. This is part 10. That's right, 10 uh, weeks that we have been in this series, and what we've been doing is we've been covering the book or the Bible from, from cover to cover. Genesis to Revelation, and, and we have been looking at the big stories and the big themes, connecting the dots so that we can hopefully understand the big story of the Bible a little bit better. But more importantly, we want to understand the God who, who wrote it. And so 10 weeks is a really long time, feels like forever ago. And so let me just quickly recap uh, how we have gotten to, to today, the, these nine previous weeks that, that we've uh, been in together. Now, part one, we learned about Adam and Eve and creation and sin and how God creates life, but sin creates death. And then in the second part, we talked about Abraham and that God gave this promise to Abraham that his family would eventually become a nation. And these were God's people, the nation of Israel, or the Israelites, God's people, and that eventually Jesus, even though they didn't know this at the time, Jesus was going to come out of that family. And then in part three, we found out that that family did become a nation and that nation uh, was slaves. They were enslaved in Egypt. And so God sent Moses to be the deliverer and that was the Exodus. And so they came out and part four, we learned about the kingdom and the life that they set up for themselves. But really quickly, it didn't go great. They, they started turning their back on God when kind of life happened for them the way that they wanted to. And so in part five, we learned about prophets that God sent these people called prophets to, to warn them of what was going to happen if they didn't return to God, if they didn't come back to God and put their trust and their faith and follow him. But they didn't listen. So in part six, we learned about how uh, they were captured and destroyed by their enemies, that God allowed their enemies to come in and to conquer them and to destroy their homeland and take them from that land. And so that was all in the Old Testament. But then a few hundred years later, we moved into the New Testament, and that was when Jesus came. Jesus, the Messiah, came just like the Old Testament predicted that he would. And so Jesus came, and then in part eight, we learned how Jesus, that was Easter weekend, that Jesus died on the cross and he resurrected. And what was great news for us is that now it didn't matter whether you were a part of Abraham's family or not, everybody could have a relationship with God because if you put your faith in Jesus... You can be forgiven and, and you can have that relationship. And so that was part eight. And then last week, Pastor Megan uh, talked to us about, about the church, that after Jesus resurrected, he went back to heaven. And then the disciples and the followers began just telling everybody about, about the resurrection, about the cross. And people began to believe and people began to, to, to be saved. And so the church was born. But now there was the church. And so that really covers the book of Acts and then all the way through the New Testament, through the book of Jude, these are all letters that were written to Christians and churches to help them uh, be the church and to follow Christ, which leads us to today. You go Acts all the way to Jude in, in part nine last week, which leads us to today. And in part 10, we are ending this series by talking about Revelation. Dun, dun, dun. It's the dramatic music, right? Uh, we're talking about Revelation. We started in Genesis and the first three Three words of the Bible are in the beginning, but we know that, that the beginning of the Bible was not the beginning of God, that God existed before the beginning. And then now at the very end of the Bible, the end of the Bible is not the end of God. What we find out is that he is going to exist and reign forever and ever and ever. 
And so this is what we're going to find out. Now, as we start uh, this sermon today, I want to say something that's really important. Okay, really important. So everybody focus in, check this out, okay? I know that there are a lot of people watching this message that are from all different kinds of religious backgrounds. That's actually what I love about Hope City Church so much is that, man, we're all over the place with our religious backgrounds. Some of you grew up uh, Catholic. A lot of you grew up Catholic. Some of you grew up Baptist or uh, Pentecostal. A lot of you didn't grow up in church at all. And so we're all over the map uh, with our religious backgrounds. And, and I'm going to make a guess because of that, that for most of us, we never really have studied the book of Revelation uh, or maybe read it, uh, got, got in depth with it. And for a lot of us, we've only heard uh, about Revelation or what's in the book of Revelation from other people or books we've read or movies we've seen or like a weird uncle who, you know, says he knows all about it and predicts the future or something like that. And, and so if you've never really read the book of Revelation like, I'm going to be honest with you. It can be strange. It can be strange. There, there's no doubt about it. It's filled with symbolic imagery that is bizarre and sometimes scary and most of the time confusing. It's got seven-headed dragons and serpents and beasts, and it's symbolic and it's prophetic. It is unlike any other book in the New, New Testament. And what happens if we're not careful is that in the middle of all the things that we don't understand, we can lose track of the things that we can understand. And so that's where we're going to start today. We're going to start and focus on the things that we can understand. So the definition of a revelation, just the Webster's Dictionary definition of a revelation is a surprising and previously unknown fact, especially one that is made known in a dramatic way. And there's no doubt that revelation is dramatic, that God is revealing something that is unknown in a dramatic, in a dramatic way. And, and so it, we know it's dramatic, but what is the surprising or the unknown fact? What is it? Well, revelation was written about 60 years after Jesus was resurrected. And it was written by a man named John, most likely not the disciple named John, but we're not exactly sure about that. And, and, the, and the book is a recap of a vision that this John had about what was going to happen. I want to show you, all right? It's in Revelation at the very beginning, chapter 1, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And this is what it says. It says, this is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him, talking about uh, John, to show his servants the events that must soon take place. And he sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant, John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. And this is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So over the next 21 chapters, John writes down everything that he sees and that he hears from God. And the first few chapters are literal. They mean exactly what they say, but a lot of the rest of it is symbolic, which means that the animals and the colors and the images, they represent something else. And, and for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, people have debate, debated what all these things mean in the book of, of Revelation. Now, I have good news and I have bad news. All right, I'm going to give you the bad news first. Here's the bad news. After hundreds of years of study and debate, we still can't be sure exactly what all of it means. We just can't. Now, there are popular theories out there 
um, about certain parts of Revelation that can kind of make sense. And, and, and so where we can make sense of it, we do. But at the end of the day, we don't know all the details and how the world will end. And, and we, don't, we don't know any of that until it happens. That's the bad news, okay? Now, let me give you the good news. The good news is that the name of the book is Revelation, not Revelations. There's not multiple Revelations. There's one Revelation. And, and that's the most important part. And we don't have to guess what it is because it tells us what it is. And so while we can't be sure about Antichrist and dragons and marks and all that, okay, that's not what is most important about the book of Revelation. What's most important is that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and he's going to return and he's going to reign forever. And those of us who have put our faith in him will reign with him. That's the revelation. And I want to show it to you. So we read the first two verses of the book. Now I want to read uh, at the end of the book in Revelation chapter 22. I'm going to read you a couple verses, starting with verse 3. This is what it says. It says, no longer will there be a curse upon anything. Talking about the end of all of this. No longer will there be a curse upon anything for the throne of God and of the Lamb uh, will be there and his servants will worship him. And they will see his face and his name will be written on their foreheads. That's one of those weird parts. Uh, we don't know. We don't get it. And there will be no night there, no need for lamp or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever. Now, remember, at the beginning of this series, I told you that sin promises to make things better, but always makes things worse. And that's what happened when Adam and Eve ate the apple, that the, that, that sin broke down this, this world and it made things worse. Well, through all the stories that we've read and, and all the sermons that we've done in this series, we have seen week after week, story after story, how sin has made things worse. But then Jesus came and we got to see how Jesus makes things better. Well, now we read the last page of the Bible and here's what we find out that Jesus promises something better than better. Jesus promises to make things perfect. Sin promises to make things better, but man, it just always makes it worse. Jesus came and he made things better for us in this sinful world, but Revelation teaches us that there's a promise of something better than better. There's a promise that things are going to be perfect. They're gonna be perfect. They will be just like it was before sin entered into the hearts of man and messed everything up. And that's what we just read in verse three. Verse three, it says, no longer will there be a curse upon anything. What does that mean? What does it mean that there's a curse on, on, on everything? Well, ever since Adam and Eve listened to the devil and ate the apple in the garden, the world has been flawed, right? But I don't need to tell you that because you know it, you feel it, you live it every day. Sin keeps promising to make things better, but keeps making things worse. And so we deal with death and pain and sadness and depression and confusion and emptiness and evil and the coronavirus and whatever else you want to fill in the blanks there. We feel it and we face it because sin has messed up this world and it tries to mess up our lives every day. But the revelation that God showed John and that he wanted me and you to know is that there's going to be a time when Christ will return and he will cure the curse. He's going to cure the curse and, and, and he shows how he's going to end evil. 
And this is good news for, for you and for me. And so I want to read you something else. This is Revelation chapter 21. Just a few more verses from the end of the book. Verses 1 through 6. A little bit longer. This is what John says he's seeing. Okay? He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people and he will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, talking to John, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. This is the revelation. This is the revelation. No more tears, no more death, sorrow, crying, or pain. All these things are gone forever. Jesus is the alpha and the omega. He will finish this cursed life, and he will make everything new. New, our bodies new, our emotional state new, the world new, the ground new, the, 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 the galaxies, everything, he's going to make it new. Now, that's a lot of information. It's a lot of scriptures. What does it mean? And, and what does it have to do with you and me? That's a great question. It's one I've always kind of wrestled with when I read Revelation is, is okay, what does this have to do with, with me and my, and my life? I want to I talk about that for a second. Stephen Covey wrote a world-famous book in 1989 called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And uh, my dad read that book when I was a kid, and he made me and my brother read it when we graduated from high school. And my dad's favorite habit in, in Covey's book was habit number two. And habit number two is begin with the end in mind. This was, this was his, his favorite. Begin with the end in mind. And what begin with the end in mind means is that highly successful people are able to imagine where they want to end up and then they work backward from there to create a plan and, and steps to get there. That they're not hoping they're going in the right direction. They know where they want to go and then they work backwards to create the plan to get there. That's what highly successful people do. Well, I don't really want us to focus on the highly successful part, but I, I do want us to be successful in our spiritual life. I do want us to, to achieve success when it comes to what God says is successful. So how can we as Christians begin with the end in mind? Well, we know how it's going to end. We just read it. We know how it's going to end. According to Revelation 20, Every, every person who has ever lived will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and, and they're going to be judged according to what they've done. That's you and me and every person who's ever lived. And if you're like me, that sounds terrifying, honestly, to have to stand before God and, and be judged for everything that we ever did. And the reason it's terrifying is because I know what I've done. And the worst, most disgusting, awful parts that other people don't know, I know. And so that's a terrifying thought. But for believers, if your faith is in Jesus, you don't have to be scared to stand before 
God and the judgment seat because we've been forgiven. We've been forgiven. And so for people whose faith is in Christ, we don't give an account for what we've done wrong. That was taken care of at the cross. All that's going to happen at the judgment seat for those of us who are in Christ is that we're going to get rewarded for what we did right. What a deal. What a deal. That faith in Jesus Christ justifies us. It's not about what we've done wrong. It's about what Jesus Christ has done right. That's the judgment seat. That's what's going to happen for you and for me. That is the end. And so if we're going to begin with the end in mind, I want, to, I want to end today by reading one of the ways that Jesus described the judgment seat. Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 22 and 23. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, on judgment day, that's what we are just talking about, many will say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. These are people that have done really spectacular, dramatic things. But I will reply, Jesus said, I never knew you. I never knew you. So here's my challenge for you and my challenge for me. And what we can take and what's important to us about Revelation is let's worry less about what dragons and beasts mean and, and, and if we're living in the last days or who the Antichrist is. And let's keep our focus on Jesus. Let's live with the end in mind. Let's wake up every day knowing that we will stand before Christ and our faults and sins are not going to be held against us because our faith is in Jesus Christ, but we will have a chance to be able to celebrate what we've done for Christ. And here's what I want him to say. Here's success. Here's what I want him to say about me. And here's what I want him to say about you. I want him to say, I know you. I know you. I don't want to list all the things that I tried to do for God to try to earn something, but have him say, yeah, but I never knew you. I never had a relationship with you. I want to stand before God and I want to hear him say, hey, Jason, I know you. I know you. This is not the first time we've been together. We've had a relationship. And so Jesus came so your sins and my sins could be forgiven and not held against us. And we could have a chance to have a relationship with God. And if as I'm talking about this, it's terrifying to you because you can't say with certainty that when you stand before God, your faults won't be held against you. Your sins won't be held against you. That you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ. I want to give you a chance to do that. Don't miss this chance that you don't have to be afraid of anything that will happen in this world or what will happen when this world is ending or when it's ending or how it's ending. You don't have to be afraid of any of that because you can be sure that your faith is in Jesus Christ, that you're justified, your sins aren't held against you, and that when you stand before God, he'll be able to say, I know you, I know you. We've had a relationship. And so here's what I wanna do is that wherever you're watching this, However, you're a part of this message. I want to give you a chance to start a relationship with God. I want to give you a chance to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And here's the way we're going to do that is um, maybe you're with people right now. Maybe you're by yourself. Maybe you're at your job. You're watching on your phone, wherever you are. In just a second, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you want to start a relationship with Christ. And whether you're by yourself or not, here's why we're asking you to do that. Because 
it's just, a, it's just an act, it's just a step, it's just a way for you to say, you know what, I am doing this thing. I am starting a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then we're gonna pray a prayer together. And so right now, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, if you're, if you're watching this and you would say, I wanna be sure that when I stand before God, he can say, I know you, and my faults and sins won't be held against me. But what Jesus did on the cross will be counted for me. If that's you, wherever you are, would you just throw your hand up? Just lift your hand wherever you're at. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray a prayer together. And I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And they're just words for a prayer, but if you mean them from your heart, it's not your hand that saves you. It's not the words that you say that save you. It's what you mean, the intent of your heart. And so we're gonna pray this prayer together. And if you mean these words, you can start a relationship with God today. So let's pray this together. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. Please save me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I give you my life. I give you control. The next time I fall, help me to get up and to run to you and not away from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, wherever you are, I want you to do what we would do if we were together in person right now. We would celebrate the people who just started a relationship with God. So right now, wherever you're at, can we celebrate together? Yeah. So amazing. The best decision you could ever make. No more fear about what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen. Just confidence and trust that we will stand before God and have Jesus counted on our behalf. Man, that's good news. That's good news. I love you. And I cannot wait to be with you together again whenever we get to do that. But until then, we're going to keep meeting together uh, through technology, which is amazing. I'm going to kick it back to our service host, and I will see you again soon.